0: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the Word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. This evening, the Lord impressed it on my heart to build on a statement that I've used many times. But He gave me the notice that very few people even though I have been speaking it, really understand what it means. And so today God provoked my spirit to take some time and indulge you in a wonderful conversation because this is one of the most pertinent elements or laws that govern truth. And some things are very, very important uh, to understand. This is one of those things that can change your life in such a radical way that one day you can look at yourself and not be able to recognize yourself in a mirror. Somebody shout amen. So in Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to read from the first verse. He says, For if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, he has said it the second time, on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him. My, my, my. What a deep, what a deep portion of Scripture. The emphasis here is, if ye be risen with Christ. Not if Christ died for you, which is important as well. Very, very important. An integral part of the Christian life. But he's speaking to people which have understood not only was Christ crucified and resurrected for them, but that in his death they died with him. And in his resurrection they were raised with him. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, if you don't understand that mystery, then you'll never be able to separate the redeemed of the Lord and the new man from above. See, you are two individuals. You have the man which is born of the earth, born of flesh and blood, born by your parents. You look like them, you talk like them, you have their color and their height. That's one man. Then you have a second man, which is from above. He's created in the very image and likeness of God. Paul calls him the inner man. That man is spirit. He was also born like the physical you. And John says that that man is not born of flesh, nor of blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. That man is born of God. The one which is born of God is different from the one which was born by your parents. The one which was born by your parents is a fallen man. That is the man after the similitude of Adam needed redemption. Because that man was a sinner, not because he had sinned necessarily, but because he carried the original sin of man from the fall. Are you following me? When Adam and Eve fell, the Bible calls it one man's sin. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. But sin entered into the world by one man's sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Even that baby you have in your hands, by reason of the fall of Adam, because they are born after the nature of Adam, that child has sinned. So then you ask, so that means if she dies or he dies, they go to hell? No. The Bible says in the days of ignorance, the Lord winks. In other words... The fact that this child, even though born a sinner, was not given the opportunity to hear the gospel and be led to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that one automatically God would grant heaven because they were not told. They did not know. Are you following me, child of God? However, let's go back to this man. That one needed to be crucified because he carried sin. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But crucified in the person of Jesus Christ through the body, that was offered as a propitiation of our sins. Are you following? So in death, you die with Him. And in resurrection, we raise with Him. Now in that resurrection, the man that switches on is the man of the Spirit. How do I know that? Your fallen nature is not yet converted. In the flesh, Paul says, I know that there is nothing good in my flesh. You still have the marks or patterns of the fallen man in your flesh. But the spirit man, the Bible says, is born of God. That one was inactive before salvation. He was in you, but inactive. You see? When you become born again, that one is activated. And in the resurrection, that's the man that is raised. Spiritual. Are you following what I'm saying? Now that man that is raised is not a redeemed one because that one which is raised did not know sin. So he needs no redemption. He's born of God. That which is born of God cannot commit sin. The Bible says. It cannot deliberately Sin It cannot by purpose sin because the divine sperm permanently abides in that person. 1 John 3, 9. No one begotten of God, now it's talking about your spirit man, not your man of the flesh. No one begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. But is that true for the man of the flesh? Come on, answer me. Is that true for the fallen man? No, that's not true for the fallen man. The fallen man commits sin. We all have sinned, the Bible says, continuous and fall short of the glory of God. Continuous tense. We all have sinned, past and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely through the redemption which is in Christ. Are you following me, child of God? So, this one which is born of God, born of the Word of God, that one also, Peter says, is born of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's what we call being born again. When you're born again, we say, I'm a born again Christian. There is a man in there which is born out of incorruption. He cannot be corrupted. Your spirit man cannot sin against God, but your fleshly man can sin against God, does sin against God. And that's where now the war comes. The man of the spirit which is born after the law of God, which Peter has said is incorruptible. And then the man of the flesh, which is born after corruption. The one that needed redemption is the one which was born in corruption, not the one which comes after from above because that one knoweth no sin. So Paul now gets into the war. He starts to show you the paradox between these two individuals. That which I will to do, I do not. And that which I will not to do, I do. For to me, to do is present. But I find that I carry no strength. He says, my my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. That man is fighting the other. So Paul tells you, if you live after the fallen man by the flesh, you shall die. Surely die. But he says, oh, beautiful portion of scripture. He says, if you by the spirit mortify the transactions of the flesh, you shall live. In other words, To fight sin, you have to use the man which knows not sin, which is your spirit man, to resist the man which is weak and is after the nature of Adam, which is a flesh. How I find so contradictory some ministers can be is how they tell people that the man within as well is as fallen as the man without. So if the man within is fallen and the man without is fallen, so how then do you fight if both of them are fallen? That's a contradiction. You deliver one by the other one, which is inside you. Paul calls that inner man the treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of power may be of God and not of us. As he is talking about flesh, are you following me, child of God? So you must understand that we fight sin by the man within. You have that image of the man from above, which is incorruptible. No man which is born of God, nobody born again, does not know when they're going to sin. They always know that I'm doing it, but I know it's wrong. So who is that one that carries the moral compass and the virtue of goodness to warn you that what you're going to do is bad? That's the man inside. When the man is not born again, that man is not active. So he carries no conviction of sin. He can't justify what is sin. And you see it all along in the world. You see systems, political systems, and people passing laws that are against the law of God. And some of them even carry Christian names and even claim to be Christian. So something in there is dead. They cannot discern what is right and what is not right because that, I don't think a man who is born again can wake up and promote sin. You understand what I'm saying? And build laws that bring sin. Yet you claim that you are born again. Are you following child of God? So this inner man here that I'm telling you is not redeemed. No, it's the fallen self of you that was redeemed. This one was born incorruptible. So he is born, the Bible says, into life. That is a man that works the life of God in you. That one just lives and understands the life of God. Now, whatever you feed, you grow. And whatever you starve, you kill. Never forget that. If you feed the man of the flesh more than you feed the man of the spirit, you're trying to kill or suppress or frustrate a wound. If you feed the man of the spirit, you strengthen him. And by strengthening him, then you will deal with any weakness. That is how sin leaves the church not warning people, not scaring them, not sending hellfire. Listen, God killed Israelites. They were killed under the hand of all their enemies. Israel has been judged than any nation we know in human history, at least biblical history. He handed them over to the will of their enemies. They served as slaves and their children died and these guys have been killed by everything. But they're still rebellious you go to Israel right now, Google the percentage of Christians in Israel, you'll be amazed. Are you following what I'm saying? Because there's no amount of punishment that can change the human heart. Nothing. Because no amount of pain can take away pleasure, can frustrate a man from pursuing his pleasure. You can warn a man that his cigarette is going to kill you. And he'll go at the corner and take the very cigarette you have warned him not to take. Because no amount of pain can replace the pleasure a person receives in whatever they're consumed with, especially if it's destructive. The only way you can do that is put something in a man that can help fight the man without. And that's the man of the spirit. That's the new man. That one, that one. When we talk about resurrection, That is the one which was resurrected. That's the man I'm talking about. So he tells you that if you be reasoned with Christ, in other words, if you have not understood this simple analogy, this thing that I've taken a few minutes to explain to you between those two men, nothing in the rest of the verses will make sense. Nothing. Because this does not appeal to your fallen nature. So he continues to say, If you are risen with Christ, that means if that new man from above, which knew no sin, which is born of the incorruptible seed, if that new man is switched on by reason of salvation, if you be risen with Christ, the instruction to that man is, seek those things which are above. In other words, always draw your vision from the eternal realm. Don't look from the earth or into the earth. Look from the eternal realm and into the eternal law. Bible calls it the law of liberty. One version calls it the law of free men. (laughs) Somebody shout hallelujah. The law of what? Free men. But which one is free? Which of those men is free? Is it the fallen one or the man from above? Answer me. Answer me. The man from above, that's the man which is truly free. The Bible calls it the law of free men. That's the one which is free. Now he tells that man to seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. And second, he tells him, set your affection on things above. This is the second time. As selfish says, set your affections. Not only should you seek things above, but he tells him, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Emphasis. Let me explain why. If you study Hebrew, and I'm going to give you two words to study. Go study heaven, your English word heaven, those of you are students, think it's shomayim, and then go study earth, Eretz, Eretz, something like that. It's pronounced like Eretz. You're going to discover that whenever they define earth, the word earth is singular. And wherever there is a definition in Hebrew for heaven, it is plural. It's plural. In fact, it's infinite. Let me explain what that means. Everything in the realm of the earth was created in a singular dimension. Albeit, in that singular dimension, various dimensions of interpretation, depending on the inferiority of the human language, can be defined. And people, then from the inferiority of language, because there are dimensions within that singular dimension, they tend to assume or allude that that is really as far as a man is able to go or function. I know many of you have not understood this because it's philosophically explained. But don't worry, you'll understand it. Let me explain this. Somebody can be in an ordinary level, all level, right? Your senior too. In our days, I heard recently our education system in Uganda specifically changed or you know, is changing. Uh, but there were days we would do more than 20-something subjects. Remember those things? They give you things that will never... When you think about it, you even get angry. Who remembers those days where you had like 20-something subjects to study? And all of them come from different fields of life. Perhaps they're trying to stretch your brain to think or they're trying to search you out to see what you're able. You remember those days? And then you go to advanced level, A level, right? And then you have three or four principal subject. Uganda, Arabic, art, stroke Islam, Those guys used to have first grade every time because Arabic was Islam. Luganda was their mother tongue and the guy was an artist. So he just needed to be an artist and go to the mosque. That's all. You'd get a first grade. And then with that first grade, he goes to university with that first grade and then gets the highest course, law. You understand what I'm saying? Now, listen. So you have history, probably your economics or geography or physics, chemistry, biology, and then you stroke it with what? Yeah. Now your generation has even worsened it. I think now you have three. Isn't it? They asked to come, they are going to become two. And then eventually, probably one day they'll just become one. And then Jesus will return. So those of us who did four, we feel cheated. General paper, what you remember? So, a guy is in advanced level; he's doing four subjects, right? And then somebody is in ordinary level, or level, and they're doing twenty-eight subjects. So, when it comes to levels, this one is in a lower level, but they're doing more. And then this one is at an advanced level, but they're doing less. So, you understand what I'm saying? So, in that singular dimension you're probably the kind in the ordinary level with many subjects. You understand? And the eternal realm is like the advanced level where there are like two or three subjects. And you might think that because you're doing 23 or 28 subjects, therefore, you're functioning better and have a more understanding of life than the guy doing three. The only difference is what is on him has redeemed by reason of positioning and translation, has redeemed all of that which you're trying to understand because the nature in which he has been begotten comes as an automatic setting or an automatic configuration in him. So he doesn't need to have all that. It's already within him. It's not something he needs to learn. Who has understood what I just said? So in this realm where everything is singular, in there can be various dimensions, and with those, the ways of life can be defined. Men have built science in that singular dimension. Men have defined physics in that singular dimension. Men have begotten witty inventions and very wonderful ideas, and the world is growing mostly from that singular dimension. Now, you start reading the Bible and then you see men which functioned from the unlimited realms, from places in the Spirit that don't understand any form of limitation. I'll give you an example. A eunuch it was an Ethiopian one. This fellow comes and he's reading what? Isaiah. And then he gets to a point where he does not understand what he's what? Reading. So Philip appears to this man. He comes to him. They start talking. The Spirit led Philip to go near that man. This man explains to him the way of salvation. After explaining to him the way of salvation, he baptized him. After dipping him in the water, The Bible says, Philip disappeared. After dipping him in the water, if you go to verses 39, Acts 8, 39. uh And when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. No, this is not a movie. This is not Star Wars. It's not Doctor Strange. This is a real life experience. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But the man had received the gift of salvation. The Bible says in the next verse, and Philip was found at Azotus. The Bible doesn't say he appeared at Azotus. The Bible says he was found at Azotus. Flesh and blood, born by a woman, eats food and has a digestive system. But there was a realm in which he did not need a horse, he didn't need a chariot. Somebody help me. He did not need a speeding train, he did not need a jet engine. And this guy appeared in one place in Azotus. And when he was found there, the Bible says, passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Like, it was normal. Philip didn't touch himself to say, oh my goodness, am I still alive? These men have the same spirit that is on your life trying to get a job. These men have the same anointing that is on your life trying to get a child. These men have the same anointing that is on your life trying to get a visa to go to Cana. These men have the same anointing that raised Christ from the dead and that same Spirit abides in the inside of you. How do you remain comfortable after realizing that the Spirit by a man or through a man could do that too. I've shared this story once or twice in my own days of preaching the gospel. Back to back, you preach two, three, four, five places, two, three, four, five places, two, three, you drive, you drive, you drive, you drive, you drive. And one of those days I'm driving and I reach Shelbugolovi, some of you know that place. And then when I reached Shelbugolovi, I was so tired because it'd been three or four days back to back preaching. And sometimes you have two or three services a day. So as I'm driving, I reach that shell and I say, Father God, I'm tired. And in my head, I think I should park or anything because I couldn't see. I couldn't see. I don't know what happened, but in that very moment, I went to sleep. I remember like my eyes closed. So do you know that moment where it's like your brain is waking up to tell you you're going to crash? So I wake up like this. And when I woke up, as they get home in Muyenga, you don't need to believe me. I'm not asking you to. I'm just testifying of something I know heaven will vindicate. It took me about four months trying to explain to my head what had happened. It took me many days before I told any single soul. Not because it had happened, but I was trying to find a way. How did that happen? Because it never repeated. But I kept telling God, do it again. Do it again. Can I sleep? Do it again. But it never happened again. I realized that I'd broken into a place that not many people believe exists. They can only believe that it happened with Philip, but they can't believe that it can happen to another person. I'm not a drunk and I'm sober. I've never put beer on my lips. I don't know how spirits taste. I'm in your genes. Only know no one person, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it took me long to understand what happened. So when I tossed him to my head, God, what's happening? And the Spirit told me, no, no, no. The problem is not what happened. The problem is you have lived for so long and functioned in the fallen nature. that you have drawn all these limitations around yourself for so many years and it becomes so hard for you to understand. Yet this is where I have called my sons and daughters to live. Philip has no book in the Bible. It's not the book of Philip chapter 4. It's not there. Are you following what I'm saying? It's just one of those acts. (laughs) It's just one of those acts of the apostles. And some people think it ended with Philip. No. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. One day, I was preparing for a service in Albuquerque, New Mexico, locked in a room praying. Hmm? while I'm praying the spirit world opens seated on my bed praying preparing and I am like that closing my eyes I sense in my spirit that another thing or person was in the room I opened my eyes these were spiritual beings, but I could see them with my eyes. And they walk in. They walk in. I'm seeing them. You see, when you hear satanists do things like astral projection, they leave, you know, their souls. And, you know, you've watched Dr. Strange where this woman, you remember that lady who hits this guy and his astroform is separated from his physical body. It's not just a movie. It's a reality. The spirit realm has a lot of things that many of us are not able to believe. That's why when people who are former Satanists get born again, they speak things that some of you Christians will find so hard to believe because they are overwhelming. Then I went to hell. Then I came back. And then I went to Manila. And then after lunch, I went to Mexico. We had a meeting with another worshiper. And then you're like, what? what huh, huh? No, they didn't take a plane. They were not on a bus. But their astral form would be found anywhere. Now, I don't even want to go there. I'm not trying to tell you that even Satan has understood that art. The only problem I find with Christians is when Satan is able to function more than somebody in whom God dwells. That's the thing I don't understand. So you live in a limited world you marry in a singular dimensional world, which is limited. You raise children in a limited world. I was watching a story of one devil worshiper. When he was 11, the grandfather taught him to levitate. Now that's easily believed in Africa. My European friends can't believe it. If you've been in Africa and you've seen there are people who, who levitate, you understand what I'm saying? People sit on cow hides and they float on wood. Don't you have them in Busoga there? I think one died. Hey, The Budagari. It was just 45 kilometers away. A guy would get a skin of a goat, skin, animal skin, put it on water and floats. In Uganda. Busoga, help me. How many of you know the story? So, By what means? You mean gravity doesn't see that? Oh no, you live in a singular world. Everything you see and science can explain is all you know there is. It's all you know there is. In COVID, they brought me a lady. She went to work somewhere in a high office. And a man points at her and told her, you're not going to work in this office. And in just a few days, one day she wakes up and she's twice her weight. She swelled up. She goes to the doctor. She has diabetes. They say she has uh, high blood pressure and she has a tumor in the head. We prayed together. She went back to their very doctors. They wouldn't find diabetes. They wouldn't find high blood pressure. They would not find the tumor. And her body went back. Now, scientifically, it was a tumor. Spiritually, it was witchcraft. Now, I don't know how to explain it. All I know is they get healed. Another story, my boss, first boss, her father gets a, what do they call it? A blood clot in the brain. We pray for this man. And in a vision, the Lord tells me that this man has a Landrango. And that Landrango, somebody went in that very land and planted witchcraft to kill this old man. Now, this is the vision. Again, Science can't believe me, and that's okay. So I tell the lady, does your father have a land wrangle? And she says, yes, my father has had a land wrangle. In fact, they were going to court. Of course, that didn't come from my head. It came from the other world. Many of you don't know. So I said, can I go to that land? I need to do something. She gave me a car and two intercessors. We went on that land. I located the place by the Spirit, where the witchcraft was. Poured anointing oil and the clot in Kampala disappeared out of the man's head. Now, you call that science, but there's no way science will just get this thing out while we're pouring water. <laughs> Don't be mistaken, the world is not all you see or you are able to interpret. There are men from the demonic world who can cast the spell of disease on anybody by simply touching that part. Did you know? I've prayed for people, I can tell you. Ask for my certain too, they'll tell you. There was a guy, he was on television and said he would put tumors on people. He just needs to hit your head, boom, nuts it. Now, science who said, no, that's not possible. You see, the cells, the cells, the cells. Now, he's interpreting from the surface. Because that's the surface. Cells are surface. The cells, you see, the cells, how can cells... You see, it's not possible scientifically, scientifically. No, science is your interpretation of the world. Yeah, it's just your interpretation of the world. What you are able to interpret. And newer innovations or ideas or theories come to debunk the old ones. Every day it's changing. And a few years to come, what was truly scientific in a book one day will be demystified by another, debunked, and a newer one will come through. Because that's the hard truth. They too are learning on the job. And that's okay. Are you following what I'm saying? But the world is not all you see. The world is not all you are able to see. There's things behind things, behind things, behind things. And those things carry their bearing from the spirit realm. So you ask a scientist, how do I dream that somebody's going to die and they die? They'll say coincidence. And then the next time I dreamt another one and they died too. And then they say, that's also coincidence. On a hypothetical assessment of statistically 2-2 there are chances that you can dream five people and they all die. And then you dream the sixth dead and they're also dead. Yes, yeah, still still, so ask this scientist, how many times has it been hypothetically experienced in your life? Are you following? So I'm not against science. Don't get me wrong. I only have a problem if science is built to disqualify anything it cannot prove. That's the only problem. Science and the gospel can coexist. The only problem is if they seek to disprove and disqualify things because they cannot prove them. There are many things in the world you cannot prove, but they have very deep consequences. And those of you who know God understand what I'm saying. Those of you who know God understand what I'm saying. Let me not scare you. You see, there was a fellow, a man of God friend of mine. He gets in a dream and in the dream of a night, he is fighting with a particular woman. She smites him and then he smites her on the back in the dream. The next day, which woman was a friend? The next day, they meet and the woman has a corset. And she said, I don't know what happened last night, but I woke up and my back cannot move. Science? Coincidence? Are you following what I'm saying? There was a war happening in the spirit realm with this man That's the problem of dwelling and functioning only from a limited realm. You think that you can only do what you think you are able to do in a singular world. The things above are infinite and multidimensional. And that is what makes God do the impossible. The realm of impossibility is actually in the spaces where There are infinite realities, consequences, and ways in the things of the spirit. Living in your body, physical body, you're already limited because there are things you cannot do. You cannot jump off a building and say, let me fly to Malaysia. We'll bury you. People would speak about you the next day. Are you following what I'm saying? But the very man you say you follow, one day he's praying. Then he forgets, I think. And he just goes on water. Because for him, dry ground and water were the same. He was praying. And the realm in which he was functioning could not defer his place. You understand? He's literally walking. This guy's on dry ground. And then he gets to the lake. And I believe his physical consciousness was so disconnected from the reality of gravity and just continued. The Bible says they saw Jesus walking on the sea. And when they saw him, the Bible says they were troubled. And they say, this is a spirit. And they cried out with fear. And then a man born by a woman said if it be you and you're not a spirit but you are also born by a woman bid me that I come. And the spirit on the leg says come. And the man gets his leg out of the boat. And then he makes the first step. Flesh and blood. Second step. Third step. No limitation. And the Bible says, he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid. What happened? He remembered. (laughs) Some of you, the way of faith began well and then you remembered you were a human being and then you remembered the laws of gravity and then you remembered the laws that govern this world and you began sinking. He remembered. And the Bible says, and began to sing and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. What does the next line say? And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hands and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith. He didn't say you man full of kilograms. Didn't you know that you're defying the law of gravity? Come on, are you following? He didn't say you man full of gravity, kilograms and pounds. What were you thinking? No, he says, O ye of little faith. That statement, Sometimes I want to get myself and slap myself. Say, so Grace, wake up. Switch into your true vortex. Now listen, he says, immediately Jesus stretched his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou living of faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? He caught him. Now, next line says, and when they had come into the sheep. When they had come. Not when he carried him. Who sees it? He gets this guy and gets him out of the water. He says, where did you doubt? Let's go back to the ship. And then both of them come. Peter is like this. A man born by a woman walked on water. Go in East African history, specifically Ugandan history. Read about a man called Tigata. He walked on water in Uganda, born again. So Jesus wasn't the last. Oh, now that you are risen with Christ, set your eyes on things which are about. Look from the world of limitation. He knows you cannot check the world of you, but you can get to a place where you'll not live from it. Every time you fill your heart with the things of the earth, there will always be limitation every time you look on the earth, there'll always be a limitation. That is why nothing on the earth can satisfy because it was never designed in a fallen state to satisfy. It has its limits. You can only eat enough and eventually you're going to become hungry tomorrow. You can only make as much money as you can and tomorrow you're going to wake up sad as well because it cannot satisfy. There is nothing that is created in a singular world with the power to satisfy, doesn't exist. That is why one of the most liberating experiences in your intimacies with God is when He gives you the true vision of the infinite things that define His person. Of how unlimited His realm is, the realm in which you came from is. And how with that, he wants to help your conscience and align it and every day, Teach this fallen man to set their affections on things above and not the things on the earth. Because that's the only way Christians can start doing the impossible. Some of you, the things you call impossible are possible. The things you call impossible. Even people who don't know God do them. So the Lord started to tell me that it's not that your generations or your people cannot take it, it's the thought of the consequence of taking it that is so hard for our physical man to interpret. That is why I understand why God loves childlike faith, because kids. One day, my daughter was walking on a table. She got to the end of the table and continued walking. <laughs> but because she's not born again, <sighs> because she's... <laughs> we just had a third. Boom! <clears throat> You're sure she's done. Next day again, Same table. Go to the end of it. Faith kicked in without regeneration. Boo! I said, this is what Jesus was telling us. (laughs) The Bible calls them ranked high in God's kingdom. Why? Because they believe the impossible. They sit in a car and they're sure they can drive it. They want the driver's seat. They don't want to sit behind they don't even have any clue of how it comes. But the fact that they're there, their brain is 100% convinced that they're in charge. So every time I'm speaking about the infinite things, that is exactly what God is trying to say. That we live in a very limited world, and many of us are defining faith in the realm of limitation. We only approve that which agrees with our logic and reasoning. And then we call it faith. Let me tell you, you've seen miracles in this ministry. These are impossible. They're just not possible. A person cannot come to the tomb and it disappears there. But not only the realm of eternity can give. Because it's not limited by anything. That's living above. Some of you right now have been struggling 10 years financially, 15 years financially. And the problem is not the money, it's not wealth. No, no. When you're praying, you're limited. When you're dreaming, you're limited. When you're believing God, you're limited. And then you ask yourself why you look like other people. It's because you're limited. Refuse it. Refuse it. He says, set your mind on things above. Because when you open your eyes and see where you came from, heaven has no limitation. Heaven has no limitation. Let me tell you, whether we believe it or not, a generation is being raised by God that is not going to limit God by their education. And those days are not far. I say, those days are not far. I dream of days where people wake up at 6 a.m. Dress up, kiss their wives, and enter a conference in Australia. You understand? Finished the conference in Australia. I found in Canada. Oh, I found in Canada. And after the service in Canada, lunch time, they are with their children in Munyonyo. Evening service in Egypt. Are back home, putting their babies to sleep. I know why many of you are not clapping. The problems you have in your singular world are too much. You already have many subjects in ordinary level. Already math is a problem, physics is chemistry. And you're promising a man that they're going to graduate. You're... Somebody shout hallelujah! <laughs> and then the Lord provoked me. Can't you believe me? Because all Peter needed to walk on water was faith. He didn't need math. He didn't need physics. He didn't need a choir. He didn't need a worshiping group. He didn't need a group of intercessors. He just needed to believe God that it was possible. He just needed to believe that one statement that with God, all things are. He just needed to believe it. Now, I want to dare somebody. Right now, walking on water is not important for us. There are way bigger things to do. But if it shall happen, it should happen. Or if it should happen, it shall happen. My point is, can't we believe God? And let go of any form of limitation whatsoever. And God said it's possible. He was not talking to your Adamic nature. That one can't handle this text. That one, the redeemed one, can't handle that. He's talking about the other one, which is born of God. And every time I read the Bible, I cannot believe the things that I read. Enoch walked with God. He didn't see death. He was no more. And I see myself on that day standing before the Father and He's saying, you had this in your generation. You had more than the generations before. If a man in habitual fellowship can be no more, because he walked with God. If a man in an inferior covenant can stop the sun because he needs to clear all the enemies of Israel. And then we deceive ourselves that the only prayer request on our table is that God heal me from flu. Oh, Father, I thank you because Peter is going to excel in his exams. Father, we glorify you because we're going to pay rent this month. And God, will lift you up because we are certain that next week we are going to get into our new house. If those are the prayers we are still praying, then we are limited. Then we are limited. Because people who don't know God, pray the same prayers. It's about time we pray to see churches like the world has never seen. To see the gospel preached like the world has never seen to see miracles like the world has never seen I know if somebody's in nursery it is so hard to explain to them a phd text but i know that the holy spirit can quicken you from primary level to phd this evening by reason of the word coming out of my mouth this evening somebody shout amen a devil worshipper should not do more than a child of God is ever to do by the Holy Ghost I told you again let me say it again a devil worshipper should not be able to do more than a child of God is able to do by the Spirit of God and then he said all things are possible to whoever believes all All, some, all, a few. The ones in your singular dimension? No, he said all things are possible to him that believeth. We have to go beyond even the realm of believing God for healing. Everybody should be healed. None of us should die early because all things are possible. To him that believeth. I received a video this morning from the fellowship in Northern Ireland. This guy had whatever, motor neuron disease or whatever. So they are preaching, they are praying, and this guy has been in a wheelchair for two years. And then the guy is there. He tells them, I feel like I want to walk. They have not prayed. He just said, I just feel like I want to walk. And this guy just tells the guy, walk. Harris boys are getting crazy. And the man walks out of the wheelchair. <laughs> We are going to get to days where lame people walk at entrance. Who's following what I'm saying? Where lame people just walk out of wheelchairs and then the pastor preaches. You're entering the gate and you say, sorry, mom, what's wrong with your child? Blind, cora diga. Let me help. You lay hands. Take a selfie. Send it on Facebook and Instagram. Blind boy heals us who are coming in. To God be the glory. Then you come to service to receive. Rema. Somebody shout Amen. <laughs> Do not limit God. Do not leave from limited realms. Let me tell you something. I have devoted the rest of my life on this thing. I've seen miracles. I've walked and traversed dimensions. Touched things. Many people in one single life are never going to be able to do some. I've tested things that I have no language to elucidate. Our language has no power to touch. And I've believed in a God of all things possible. But... I'm devoting my entire life on this conversation. How can a man appear and disappear and you read it in the Bible and everything is true and then you skip that one and go to the page of dying men? Do you understand what I'm saying? How do you study theology and all you learn is to bury people? After your end, you just know how to make a good good mass. To escort our brother's body. No. Theology schools should start teaching these things. <laughs> if witches are teaching people how to levitate, and astral project, theology schools should teach people how to walk in the Spirit. Paul says, if you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit also. I know there are people saying, you know, that's not what he literally meant. You know, Literally, because you're literal. (laughs) You critique language and lose the experience. Okay, so what did God mean when He said, with Him all things are possible? Give me the literal interpretation. With Him. Somebody said, we're going to do big things. We're ready to believe God. We're ready to walk out of, beyond the realm of limitation. That is the church that is going to see the return of Jesus. Jesus. I always tell people, the experience of terrestrial becoming celestial. Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall be caught up. The time terrestrial bodies will become celestial. Remember the Bible tells us that in that day, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. God is coming back for the most refined bride. And as knowledge fills The knowledge of the glory of God fills the earth. The knowledge of the glory. I repeated that intentionally intended. The knowledge of the glory of God fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's a generation that will know their God and do mighty exploits. That when it comes for us, we will not have the trouble to doubt when we see celestial bodies turn celestial. And saying goodbye, and people are watching us ascending glory, and they cannot believe what they see because these kinds of summons are preparing the church. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. A church that is without spot nor wrinkle will be a church that will not be frustrated with imperfection, with limitation. No, no, no. Everything they are able to believe God for, they will see. And God said to me, that's the church I'm coming for. It's going to be a glorious one. I'm not going to come for a defeated one. I'm going to come for a victorious one. I'm going to come for a people. I see the story. It was like in a vision. I could see Adam and Eve in their fall." And then the Patriarchs are raised and then the Abrahams and then the Isaacs and then the Jacobs and then the kings come through. You know, you understand the Davids and then the Moseses. And then I see this line and then I see the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and they're all doing their part. And the Bible says they cannot be fulfilled without our testimony being added to that. And then I see Jesus come and then I see Paul and then I see the disciples. And then I'm seeing these guys are doing all of these things. And then it's like a movie. It's like a movie. And then towards the end, the church is from one glory to another level of glory and it's shining bright brighter and brighter more faith and more power and it continues and it continues and then at last when we are just oh god full and shining and doing the impossible the movie ends and heaven is clapping and jesus says come back home and then we'll ascend into glory hallelujah oh my goodness i cannot wait for that day i told god i don't want to die in the body no 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 Who has seen what I'm seeing? And then I imagine like Elijah, He he's back. And then heaven is clapping. The move is over. <laughs> Glory to God. What a beautiful story. I know you're still dealing with flu. Graduate. That disease in your body, let it wait. In the mighty name of Jesus. With God, all things are possible. Let me give you just a few minutes to take this in. Take it in. Breathe it in. Allow it to saturate you. Allow it to fill you. Allow it to take its course. Ah, ha, ha. Creator of the universe, what can't you? what can you do Jesus name above every other name what can you change what can't you tell Jesus Create. Why can't you do? Why can't you do, Jesus? Name above every other name. Why can't you tell? Why can't you tell? Jesus Creator of the universe What can't you do What can't you do Jesus Name above every other name Why can't you change Trust. Father, we believe you. We believe you. We believe you, Lord. We believe you, Lord. We submit to your reality. We cannot doubt anymore of what you're able to do. And with every man and woman on this ground, we commit ourselves help all unbelief take us to the next level of faith if you have revealed this and you've given us the grace to hear it it only means it's your heart to reveal it and manifest it and Lord there's a man and woman on this ground saying God I'm ready I'm ready to believe you. I'm ready to take off all the limitations. I'm ready to break every boundary to see you. Spirit of a sovereign Lord, take somebody to the next level. Take somebody to the next level. Touch somebody to the next level. Elevate somebody to the next level. Sweet spirit, I bless you. Wow. 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 Glory to God. Give him a mighty praise. Come on. Clap for Jesus. Come on. Jesus, the Son of God. I believe in you. I believe in you. Come on, let's sing it. Jesus, the Son of God, I believe in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. To receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Put up your hands in the air. Say Father. I thank you. For your word. Today. This day. I have chosen. With my heart. To believe. That you died. For my sins. And you were raised. For my glory. Today. I take off all limitations. I refuse to look on the things of the earth. I choose to look to you, the author and finisher of my faith, your Lord and Savior of my life. And my life can never be the same again. Fellowships at the UMA Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the UMA Multi Purpose Hall. Finero, make manifest.